From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian. And welcome to the Desert Scene. I'm Bonnie G here with my fabulous producer, Brian Mendoza. And we're really happy to welcome to the show C- Craig Pomerantz, who is doing a wonderful cabaret show, this fabulous series they've been doing at CV Rep all summer. And he's coming up Thursday, August 18th. His show is called Welcome Back, Jazz Me, Songs of the 20s and 30s. Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to talk to you. So I'm excited to be here. I've been looking at your bio. I looked up, uh, printed some stuff out. My goodness, what an interesting uh, career you've had so far. So let's start from the very beginning. Born in St. Louis, uh-uh. young, youngest of four <laughs> four sons. And I didn't get to this part. Did you have a musical family? Were you the only uh, musical person or, or performer in your family? No one. It's interesting because no one in my family, and yet, um, my father had a really beautiful voice, mm-hmm. and he actually, unbeknownst to me until I started being a professional, well, I was a professional by 11, but, but I started doing it professionally. He was the lead in the HMS Pinafore in his high school wow. in Pacific, New Jersey. <laughs> wow, that's great. So, all right, so tell us about then, tell us about your your journey. So you started singing in, in school, and tell us about how you uh, started out and then became pro. When I was at, well, when I, in St. Louis, we have a really, at the time, a very wonderful, well, there's a still the largest outdoor, professional outdoor theater in the country called the Muni Opera. Okay. And uh, at the time when I was there, it sat 14,000 people. Um, anyway, I started singing by, just because I always sang, and uh, someone said, you should audition for uh, the Muni. And there are 800 kid, kids from around the Midwest audition, and I got the role. Wow. And, um, and that was when I was 11, so then all of a sudden I, w- I became a professional. But I've been sort of just, and I was, a, as most people, a very shy kid, and so singing was my way of getting attention mm-hmm. and uh, and sort of being learning to be less shy and, and learning to sort of engage with other people. Yeah, I think that's very. I think that's very common. I'm, I sing and act as yeah. well. So I, yeah. So okay. So uh, let's see. It's um, uh, still in high school. You attended Broadway plays and you went to piano bars like the Village Green and got to uh, sit and listen to Johnny Meyer and Murray Grand. And then I'm Marie Grand is a dear friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this. I love this story. Uh, there was a woman you did over the rainbow, and a woman came up to you and said, "Some people need to sing. You are one of those people I could listen to you forever." And that was Teddy King. So tell us a little bit about that. Teddy King. Well, actually, so John Meyer was playing piano bar at a place called the Painted Pony, mm-hmm. and uh, he played for Teddy King. Teddy King is a very well known uh, jazz uh, singer. And she had her own club in Boston. and But she would come to New York, like most people, to do gigs. And um, she was uh, in the audience, or in the audience, she was at the piano bar. Uh, and when I got up and sang, and she came up to me and, and she said that. And she encouraged me to sort of uh, do it more as a profession because, you know, I came to New York as a dancer and, and to be in, to be serious actor, theater person. Mm-hmm. And uh, she sort of encouraged me that singing was one way to go. Because I wasn't, at that time, I didn't think that that kind of music that I did, this kind of standards and great American songbook, wasn't sure you could make a living at it. Mm, so, um, okay. you know, well, of course, making a living as an actor was much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, that is such a great story because... Um, 
I love hearing that when because as as performers we're all insecure have our own insecurities and to have someone especially someone else in the business who has achieved a certain amount of success say something like that is so huge and is such a uh, important motivator to keep going as just as the reverse is you know many of us at childhood voices parents who ever say you know you're not that good you should forget about it and it's those things stay with you whether it's positive well, or negative and I, and you know Bonnie the thing is is that what was so interesting to me was because I didn't really know who she was. Mm -hmm. So I had to research who she was and then to come to realize that there are all kinds of successes. And I was a teenager when that happened. So Mm -hmm. to realize there are all kinds of successes and all ways to be in this business and make a living for yourself and not beat yourself up, which we do every day anyway. Um, So it, it, it was a wonderful thing to have someone of that stature in her arena it just meant so much, and and uh, it was she was a, a mentor in many many ways. Yeah. Not, and also because if, if no one has heard her, T E D D I King. I mean, she's remarkable. She had she has the voice of Barbara Cook and the emotionality of Judy Garland. Wow. I and I'm not familiar with her. I'm gonna have to uh, look her up. Okay. So tell us about tell us about your very first cabaret show in New York. What that was like. One one person show. I, 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 so I had just arrived, and I was, again, singing at a piano bar, and um, Ted Hook, uh, who was a famous, uh, he owned a lot of clubs in New York City, he was, uh, he was in the room, and afterwards he said, came up to me and he said, you know, do you have an act? because I have someone who in two weeks canceled and I need someone to fill that spot. Um, you know, can you do two nights? And I, of course, said, of course mm-hmm. I, I do, even though, of course, I didn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, but, I, but word of mouth got around. It was completely sold out. Wow. And it was just kind of a remarkable thing. And then just sort of, it was, in fact, the thing that elevated me to doing it on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, and there are a couple things. I first of all, I love this one thing. So you've branched out. You've done a lot of different things: studio work, commercials, voiceovers, and I, your acting and dancing skills led to a series of commercial bookings as a dancing can. Was that a can of Pepsi? Yeah. Tell us about that. Not, I was not Coke. Coke, okay. <laughs> so, but it, that's one of those things that's so such an industry uh, idea. So they they actually they had a call for dancers, and you know there were hundreds of us. And then they said it's going to be a Saturday Night Live kind of uh, scene, wear a three piece white suit. So the guys wore three piece white suits, and girls came in like uh, that uh, dress code, whatever that was for the time period. I can't mm-hmm. remember. And um, when we got there, they said, "Oh, we've a change of plans. Please step out of you know, get out of your clothing and step into this." And then they brought out this can. Yeah, and. Uh, it was a huge can, and then you, know, you put your arms through and your legs through, but, and, and then they said, you know, we're giving you choreography, and I'm thinking, well, <laughs> you, you can only see my wrists and my arms and right. my legs. It's right. like, what kind of choreography? But anyway, that, what's interesting about that is what happens often. So they chose six of us. I was one mm-hmm. of the six. Mm-hmm. And, um, and any time for the next, I think, three, five years, any time they needed anyone in a can or a costume like that, they hired the same six dancers. So it was a good gig. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So my, uh, mom, my mom would show the picture to people and say, I would recognize those ankles anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was your, now, so was your family supportive of you pursuing this as a career? Um, yes. I mean, well, tepid, right? I mean, yeah. they were, they you know, we're from St. Louis. We knew nothing about the theater. Mm-hmm. They knew nothing about the theater. My mom always at four eleven thought she could be a rocket, which I said, well, maybe not. But, um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, but they, 
I think they just really appreciated what they saw as a lot of talent, but they just had no concept, which is very different now, that you could make a living at it. Right. And it was interesting because I started making a living and giving money to the family, right? Because I was, I was mm-hmm. home and, and we needed money, so I would yeah. make money and it would go with my, you know, so it was, whether it was modeling or doing voiceovers or commercials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So but they, they did not necessarily see how I could take it to New York or something like that. Yeah. So. And a couple other things in, in your bio that I found fascinating. I love this one quote, uh, that you always had more interest in the work and not the fame because you wanted to build a well-rounded life. And uh, I think that also, I think that's so important. I mean, I guess there's some people, you know, if you, some people end up Barbra Streisand, et cetera, but most, most of us don't. And I think having a well-rounded life is so important. You can be a wonderful performer and be successful, make money at it, but also have a home life and a, a partner and friends and dogs and, you know, have some sort of normalcy I think is important. Um, so is that yeah, kind of always what you felt? No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt was, you. Was that all, I think oh. that the focus is what changes for everybody, right? And yeah. That's, and, and it only helps It only helps give you layer mm-hmm. layers to what it is that you do on a stage. Exactly. Um, and there are a million people. One of the other things when I'm asked or when I write articles about voice and stuff like that, I'm always saying, you know, a million people have nice, have pretty instruments. Mm-hmm. A million people can carry a tune. Right. But do they know how to sing? It's a very different thing being able to sing and and tell a story than it is to just make vocal pyrotechnics. Yes. And I love this other quote. One of my attractions to performing is the ability to create silence. Can you expand on that? Yeah. um, God, you're asking all the questions (laughs) that I love. (laughs) Well, I I think that early on when I would sing it, I went to, there was a, a jazz a room in New York City, and they would only let, uh, they would only let, well, I don't, this will sound weird, I want to tell that story. Okay, so I would go into a room, and it could be a noisy, loud, crowded room, and I could, and Over the Rainbow is a good example, I could sing two notes and silence the room. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't, didn't know why, or and I'm not trying to be arrogant about it, mm-hmm. but to be able to do that, it, it's an incredible power. Yes. That, uh, and it's the same thing when I'm acting, if I can, if, if I know people are silent, it's because they're really listening to what I'm doing. Exactly, yes, that's so true. So tell us about the show on the 18th. Tell us how you put together the show. It, it's so interesting because uh, all the songs of the jazz age are so relevant. And so when people think of the Great American Songbook and the standards and stuff like that, I think that they, they forget that, you know, the, uh, human beings are the same. It's, it's all mm-hmm. cyclical. Things become, you know, more prevalent now than later. But, mm-hmm. um, so, but when you go do these songs, I'm doing a song. I mean, there's a song about, I'm not doing this song, but there are songs about from the 1920s, which were crazy times. There's, there were all songs about social issues. Right. So when I talk about nowadays, when we talk about mystifying pronouns, I'm doing a song that's all about mystifying pronouns from 1921. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think the relevance of doing all these songs, which not only sustain themselves, but are also incredibly beautiful songs. I just loved discovering that myself, even though I, I sort of knew it, but I wasn't. I became more aware of it as yeah. I kept looking in for new material. Would you say that, I always like to ask singers what their go-to song is. Would you say Over the Rainbow is one of your go-to songs if you go somewhere and they say, Craig, please come up and sing something? Um, at one time, I think it changes over time. Mm-hmm. I think when I first got here, it was. And then, uh, you know, there are a few songs that, 
it, it really depends because you don't know if the pianist can right. change your key. Or, exactly, you know, yeah. Like that. So you, you choose. So yeah, there are a few songs that I have that I know no matter what key it's going to be in, I'll be able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. Th- this show, again, Craig Pomerantz, Welcome Back, Jazz Me, Songs of the 20s and 30s, Musical Director Steve Rollins, directed by Ronald Cohen. It is Thursday, August 18th, 7 p.m. at CV Rep, which is a fabulous venue. You'll love it. And you can get yeah. tickets at cvrep.org. Well, Craig, what a lovely uh, time chatting with you, and best of luck. I think you're gonna. I'm sure you're gonna knock them dead. Can I say one more thing? Oh, please do. Yes. Because you mentioned over the rainbow. Uh-huh. Um, I, I used to go to Sri Lanka three times a year, and we were there after the tsunami. And we sang at all these sort of um, adoption uh, places for adoption for kids who were misplaced. And the one song that they all knew was Over, over the, the rainbow. rainbow. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Craig. Knock them dead. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good day. All right, you too. And we'll see you guys next time on The Desert Scene.